James Blake on Twitter, Andy. James Blake, throwback. James Blake. Um, he put up, just watch Roger Federer win his 100th title. And my daughter asked, how many did you win? Fair, fair enough question. Yeah. Ten, I responded proudly. How come you only won ten? That's like none. <laughs> oh. And then he said, thanks, Roger, for making me look bad in front of my kids. Congrats. And then Roger actually tweeted back at him and said, please tell her your dad is a legend and a gentleman. But it was a nice <laughs> little exchange there as Roger gets into the 100 club. 100 titles. 100 titles. What a freak, right? Yep. The GOAT. 100 mm. titles in his career, beating Sitsipas in the final. Yep. Straight sets, four and four. Trivia question. Who's the one other male tennis player? I've seen some people freaking out online about not recognizing the women tennis players. Who's the other male tennis player to have won more than 100 titles? Oh, cheapest. There's only one other, and he's at, I believe, 109. So still a little bit of work for Roger to catch him. Jimmy Connors? This guy. Hey. This guy gets it. Oh, I was thinking, who played late in their career? Damn, Jimmy Connors, 100-odd titles, 109 titles. So it's at least another year or so playing Fed. And as we've talked about, we think that could be done. Yeah. right. Unless he makes a comeback like Jimmy Connors. Exactly. And Jimmy Connors actually posted a photo of him in his playing days with uh, a very young Roger Federer, just like, you know. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, tennis is a small world when that happens. Hey, what a tournament that one was in Doha, right? Dubai? Sorry, in Doha. Dubai? Dubai. Same thing. Well, no. <laughs> no, Doha's in Qatar. <laughs> well, Corich, he made it all the way through to the semis before losing to Fed. Uh, yep. Surprising to me, to me, he won three back to back three set matches, winning seven, six, and the third. Yeah. Uh, he beat my boy Basilashvili, too, which yeah. I was upset about. Vesely, first round, Burdich, and Basilashvili. Mm. We were in here talking, you know, while that match was happening. Oh, Basilashvili's going to smoke him. Yep. Nope. No. <laughs> no. Um, since he passed, no surprise there. Going through, making the final. The big shock to me was Nishikori getting knocked out second round to a Polish player, Herbert Hukras. Wherever yeah. you say that, or however you say that, yeah. What a shock! Yeah, but you know, Dubai <laughs> was a uh, was a quiet tournament, even though it was a five hundred mm. compared to Acapulco last week. Acapulco was where. Shots were being fired. Things were happening. What it a to- was heat. We talked about it last week. What a tournament it's going to be, mm-hmm. right? The players in there, the Kyrgios's, the Nadal's, Zarev, it's on. Yep. And, geez, it was, there was fireworks, wasn't there? Absolutely. And let's uh, maybe just take it a step at a time. So, the big, okay, so last week we said, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrgios loses in the first round or beats Nadal. Exactly. Wouldn't surprise me either way. He went out and beat Nadal. Yeah, seven six in the third. Down three match points in the tiebreak. What a match! You know, uh, possibly one of the matches of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, seven six in the third. Bit of controversy throughout the match. Curious uh, his normal self, mm. shot making and showing a few emotions here and there. And to me, it looks like he can get under Nadal's skin. What's your thoughts on he that? He absolutely can. I mean, what was it that Nadal said in the post match conference? He. Uh, Sort of said something, yeah. and I'm he's, a, he's a player who has enormous talent. Could be winning Grand Slams or fighting for the number one ranking. He lacks respect for the crowd, his opponent, and towards himself. I don't think he's a bad guy, but he lacks a little bit of respect for the public and the rival. I mean, he's not wrong. Wow, well, 
I mean, is he? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this this might be Kyros's way of going through and being a tennis player. You know, maybe riding the waves of emotion and you know. Uh, and if you're, um, I mean, we've all played those players who are they're not tanking, but they're not giving it their all. You feel as though you should be beating those people. Yep. And if you're not, that gets under your skin. 100%. And that's probably what happened here with Nadal. Well, I think it's happened, you know, on a few occasions now with Nadal. Uh, they now have a 3-3 three and three record. Yep. And off clay, Kyrgios is 3-1 and one against Nadal. So That's a pretty impressive record against one of the great players of all time. Yeah. I mean, and... And, if it, and I, I believe against Federer, he's had a couple of 7-6 in oh, the third losses. But it could go, be even better. I'm going to go down a bit here, but let me find it. He's 1-3 uh, against Federer, but 8 out of the 12 sets have been tiebreakers. He's 2-0 and o against Djokovic. He's 3-3 three and three with Nadal. 3-1 and one off clay. So for a player who was ranked 70 in the world going into that week, his ranking was a bit inflated, right? Now he's yep. back up into the top 40 and... Closer to where he should be, but with those records against the top guys, he's a top ten player. Yeah, he is. Um, it's. I mean, we saw. I. Th- I mean, I noticed against Zverev in the final, his demeanor was a little bit different. He was a little bit more up for the occasion. He was a little bit more into it. Um, and I, look, I don't know what it is. Um, sometimes he shows up and wants to play, and other times he doesn't. Yeah. Well, that's it, but, isn't but, it? But. <laughs> He didn't look like he really wanted to play against Nadal, and he still beat him. Wait, went out there and, and, and competed, especially in that tiebreaker against Nadal. He was out there. Can we talk about a few things from that match? Yeah. How slow is Nadal's pace between the points? I can understand Kyrgios getting frustrated at Nadal taking 20-plus seconds sometimes when he's returning serve to get ready to return serve. Mm. No, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there was a shot clock in Dubai, but not in... No, sorry. Yeah, shot clock in Dubai, but not in Alcapulco. Oh, wow. I, I, I think. I could be wrong on that. Um, so I think at the moment, I mean, it's pr- basically the Grand Slams and the bigger events are yeah, using a shot clock. I think Kyrgios, every event yet. Kyrgios had a point of like, the returner should play at the service speed. You know, yes, it's that's the, always been the rule. Yeah, tennis, yeah. And, and Nadal obviously wasn't playing at Kyrgios' speed when Kyrgios is walking up to the line hitting a serve before Nadal's ready. Yeah. You and he never, he never has. Nadal's been doing this for years. Yeah, and, you know, how do we get rid of that situation? I think the shot clock's one. Yep. I think that's one. Well, that's, shot clock, but also enforcing the shot clock. Well, I think that's going to force players to make sure they serve on time, but what's going to force the player to get in spot and return on time? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the player should be allowed to walk up to the line and serve, even if the player's not ready to return serve. Um, that's interesting. Well, if I play a long point with you, I don't want to give you more time to recover if I'm the fitter player. I That's want true. to play the next point straight away. You know, if you're at the back there taking your time and picking your underwear out and doing whatever you're doing, mm. wiping your face off to get that full extent of the time and you break my rhythm, that's just one way Nadal does it. That's an interesting thought. I don't know if it would work, but... It's I, not I, sportsmanlike, no, for sure. But like, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested like, to see a few matches, what it looks like. Yeah, it would... I think it would change a few things, uh, especially with the way ball kids are around. They could t- toss you a ball. I don't think in the pro level it can happen, but definitely in the kids' Well, level. don't get me started on ball kids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there should be any ball kids anyway. And this towel thing is getting outrageous. It's shocking, eh? Curious. You... <laughs> like, go pick it up. Like, come on. What are, what are they doing? Just put a towel rack at the back of the court, guys. It's not put, hard. They can put it against the fence or God. whatever they did. Last, last bit. Well, maybe not last bit. Second to last bit. 
Underarm serves by Kyrgios. Mm. Now, if Nadal is going to stand at the back of the fence, at the back fence, and try return serves, I'd love to see this play used more. Yes. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, US Open final, Kevin Anderson was out there serving, and Nadal took all this time back, made every return, and Kevin Anderson looked silly. Yep. Um, a few underarm serves might throw Nadal into a bit of a whirlwind, right? And yep. And keep him guessing. Make him come play closer to the baseline to return your big serve. Mm. Um, well, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. And it's basic, right? Like, if you, if you, the, your opponent is standing in a certain spot, you know, you, and they're covering the wide serve, you've got to be able to serve it down the tee to keep them honest, not keep them in one side of the box. You're exactly right. If they're standing way back in the bleachers, Throw it a few underarm serves uh, yeah. to bring it forward. I uh, have no problem with it. Yeah, I think it's um, a play that we might see more, especially with the younger players coming up that have less respect for the game. <laughs> um, and and I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it's fun. Mm, right? I do too. Uh, this will be my last thing on that tournament. They got to the final, and Kyrgios was playing Zarev. Throughout the tournament, Zarev played 403 minutes. Kyrgios throughout the tournament, how many minutes do you reckon he played? Five matches. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> minutes is tough. Minutes, 638 minutes. I wouldn't have gone that high. So, so we played three hours more of tennis in five matches in wow. Zarev and wow. still beat him in the final. Um, must be in really great shape leading into Indian Wells and Miami. Like, that's a lot of tennis. It is. 638 minutes in five matches. I mean... Mm. You know, three, four, five, uh, three, three set matches in there, and a few yep. long ones. You know, yep. seven, five, seven, six in the third, three of them, and yep. I mean, good tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think even though he lost in the final to Curios, Zverev showed that you know he's he's still a he's still a very solid player. He, oh. he's number three in the world, I think, justifiably. And you know. Not only did he go out there and make the final of the singles, but him and his brother won the doubles final, yep. uh, beating Austin Krejcik and Adam Sitek in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just shows how all-round game he can have, yep. and uh, I think that's great for them, you know, to play with his brother and win a win an ATP 500. It's a great occasion for them. Misha might just have to stick to doubles here pretty soon, so wow. he might just want to get the ranking up. I think that could be the key, right? Play a few matches while your singles ranking's high enough or your brother's ranking so you can get into these tournaments and stick around the tour for a few more years. That's right. Yeah. Why not? Future. Oh, last tournament of the week, Sao Paulo. Yeah, what happened there? Guido Pella yep. beat Christian Guerin in the final five and three. Uh, bit of an unusual tournament. I didn't think it was as... There wasn't as many name players in there compared no. to the last week's, no. um, but that's what you get dropping back from a 500 to a 250. That's it. Well, there's two 500s going. Most of the better players are going to be definitely one of those. Uh, Felix surprised me. Beat Cuevas first round. Yep. Made it to the quarters. He's got a new ranking of 58. Whew. Wow, he's skyrocketing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like what a what an effort there. Yeah. 58. In the if ranking. he gets a decent draw, I mean, look, I don't know where the cutoff is, but I assume he's playing Indian Wells. Uh, Unsure. I think the cutoff might have been a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and he's so, getting a wild card there, maybe. But well, he, look he very out. Well may, he look, very well may do. He's got enough points now, and his ranking's high enough that he'd probably make all the 500s and the 1000s through the clay court season and up through Wimbledon. So, you know, touch wood, he keeps healthy and mm-hmm. does, does all the right things. He, he could be in the top 30 by the end of the year. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Um, a few other news happened this week, Gareth. Yep. 
Naomi Osaka, she uh, she she mentioned that she's got a new coach. Okay. Jermaine Jenkins. He's a. Uh, I know. I know the name. He's a former college tennis player out of Clemson, um, and he was a hitting partner to Venus Williams for the past few years. Okay. He was just hired by the USTA to be the head of women's performance tennis. Um, and Does that just mean you become Naomi Osaka's? No, well, she's Japanese, so um, so he's handed in his job there, and now he's just working with Osaka. So that's a quick turnaround, two months into the job. Jeez. Um, yeah, very interesting. You know, Jermaine Jenkins. Oh, yeah, is a as I said, top player at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Very, very good tennis family. Uh, his brother Jameer was number one at Virginia, uh, won the NCAA title, got the top two hundred, and is now Serena's heading partner. So, um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting to see these guys come from hitting partners to coaches, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Osaka's previous coach was a hitting partner, turned coach, and then was teaching her, and now he's teaching um, Monica Puig, by the okay. seems of it. There's a... I mean, maybe it's just I'm paying more attention to it, but the past three or four months there's been a lot of chopping and changing in the women's game of their coaches sloan stevens gone osaka gone venus williams gone Halep, gone mertens gone monica gone mm. you go through the list and you're like wow these are a lot of top women players that are that are firing their coaches um i wonder if there's a reason for that i don't know um possibly because, I mean, if you, quite a few of the players you mentioned are doing very well. Yeah, they're all having results. That's the unusual bit, Yeah, right? All these players that I'm naming uh, have been at the top or are having career-best results, right? Sloane Stevens having real good results, just not consistent. Mm-hmm. As I say, she has real good results at the big events. Osaka, back-to-back Grand Slams. Halep, number one in the world. Ellie Merton's up to top 30 in the world. I, yeah, I, sometimes I think it's good to stick with what got you there. Yeah, but I mean, also on the state of Venus Williams, you know, you might have to change if something gets old or Osaka if you're not happy. I understand changing coaches; it's great. It's, it's sometimes it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just need to see, you know, fresh perspective on things. You know, even when things are going well, you just need to do things in a, a slightly different way. But it is a bit perplexing to see so many people switching. It's a lot, right? Yeah. I, I to me, it's it was a standout. Um, I read an article on WTA site and. It was close to 14 players who have changed. Oh. And, you know, we're talking top 100 players that are in and out of coaches. I think Kerber was, is now with Rainer Schuttler, right? It's oh, um, a name from the past. Yeah, and, you know, that's a new affiliation, those two working together. I yeah. mean, it happens in the men's game, but it's probably just because they're big names that come out to coach and they sit in the box every few once in a while, you know, like the Agassi coming out the yeah. work of Dimitrovs and whatever. It's true. It's not a standing relationship like you see with the ladies. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. Yeah. But anyway, that was just something different for me. Yeah. Um, Indian Wells coming up this week. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, a lot of the top singles players play doubles because Larry Ellison pays them big money if they can do both. Yeah. Um, so it's a really fun tournament to watch. The draw isn't out. Qualifying's not out. So I guess we'll be back. Yeah, on we'll, the... we'll come back on the weekend and just check in with it. it probably yeah. it'll be... 
second third round maybe second, third round and see how things are going and make our predictions from there well hopefully we do as well as last week you know sloan stevens getting out there early mm-hmm. uh curious beating nadal yep. i think we we're on fire last week so Federer to get his 100th title I mean, hey, oh we haven't been saying that now for how long yeah hell i think yeah. since wimbledon we've been saying that Federer can get his 100th title but yeah. <laughs> let's see if he can catch jimmy connor's now <laughs> hey oh 109 the countdown is on you got yeah. six months mate absolutely <laughs> All right, well, uh, we are Two Guys Talk Tennis. That's Andy, I'm Gareth. Please uh, check in with us next week. If you like what we do, uh, check us out on, geez, what do we have? YouTube, uh, Twitter. iTunes. Instagram. Instagram. You name it. You you name the platform. (laughs) We'll be there. (laughs) And if you want us to discuss anything in particular, please reach out in the comment section on YouTube. It's the best place to find us. Catch you next week. Boom.